the biggest things that I think I've learned just through the years is how to advocate for myself, um, which was something I was not very good at doing for the large majority of my young life. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 225. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an amazing conversation with Hilly. We actually got to meet Hilly at our New Orleans meet and greet a few weeks ago, and she mentions the meet and greet in this episode. So that's what she's talking about, and we did in fact meet her and had a wonderful time talking. Yeah, it was awesome. We're so, so glad we got to have that experience and so glad that Hilly came on to talk to us today about a whole wide range of different relationship dynamics. She's really never been in a monogamous relationship. I think she says her her only real traditional, quote unquote, traditional monogamous relationship happened uh, in high school and it lasted just a couple of months. So this is a fantastic conversation. We're super excited about it. And this is also a first uh, where we've talked about age play and somebody who is a huge age play act, uh, advocate. And so we're really excited about that. So thank you, Hilly, for coming on and sharing your story. And we're excited to get it out there. The other thing that we wanted to mention is that Hilly does refer to her partner by name in this episode, and we did confirm with her that that was A-OK. Yeah, we wanted to make sure to say that because like the conversation she has about it, it seems a little bit in question. We sorted that out. All is gut. Mm-hmm. All is gut. <laughs> that's for our German fan base out there. And uh, yeah. So before we jump in, we have a couple of very quick announcements. Emma, tell them all of the announcements. I'm going to sit here and listen to you and judge you quietly. I know. Judge me quietly. I always judge you quietly. Yeah. (laughs) Are you saying my judgment is not as quiet as yours? Right. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway... Thank you very much to all of you who are part of our amazing Patreon community. It would not be the community it is without all of you. So thank you. If you're out there looking for like-minded people, we'd encourage you to check it out. We have an ongoing MeWe chat with lots of fun different subgroups. We have a monthly Q&A and a men's and women's group as well. More information, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the Patreon button. Yeah, today is day two of our 30-day squat challenge. Yes. So we got squats to do today, Emma. We do. We do. Also, if you're looking for community but are not interested in Patreon, that's okay. We also have virtual meet and greets coming up and other virtual events. So our next virtual meet and greets are March 5th, that's this Saturday, and March 15th. Uh, More information on our website. The only requirements to join those are that you are open-minded and respectful. So we'd love to have you come join us. We also have a super fun trivia night coming up this Friday, March 4th. Do you have more to add about the trivia? You're looking at me all like pensive. Well, I've got a thing I need to interject, but you finish. It's not about this. It's about <laughs> it's about the squat challenge. <laughs> so go check. We'd love to have you join for our trivia. This is a trial run. And if it goes well, we are going to do more of these trivia events. So please come join us. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Again, open to anyone. You can sign up on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab. Yeah, really quick though, on on the trivia. So you do have more to say. I was trying. (laughs) 
The trivia is hosted by Sporkle, and so they did like pub trivia and bar trivia for years and years and years. And then when when the pandemic hit, they pushed stuff online. And so we've partnered with them. And actually, the host that we have is non-monogamous herself. So everybody at the event will be either non-monogamous or open to the idea of it. So we just wanted to make that clear that we're not just winging it, picking questions out of a Trivial Pursuit game. <laughs> Not yes. that there's anything wrong with that. We're trying it a different way and we're super excited for it. So we hope hope to see everybody there uh, this weekend. Yes. Just to be clear, there's not a theme for the trivia this, this week either. It's just going to be general trivia. Correct. And that's Friday night, March 4th. Correct. We also have some in-person events coming up in California in March and early April. All of those information for those, uh, the events are in San Francisco, San Diego, and we're working on something in L.A., all of the information for those events and how you can join them is on our website. Again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab and then click on the in-person events. Yes. The thing I wanted to say about the squat challenge. I was going to say squat challenge. So we didn't really explain what the hell a squat challenge was. And I, maybe people are thinking like that's some kinky sex thing. <laughs> it's not. It's literally part of one of the channels we have for the Patreon community is a health and fitness channel. And we decided to do a 30-day squat challenge to sort of... I don't know, help anybody and everybody get get the kickstart on doing some squats. Yeah. So we're doing that. And yep. we got our squats to do today. Yes, we do. So that's all the squat challenges. <laughs> you know, the other thing we should do is an stdcheck.com challenge. What would that entail? That would entail you, the listener, going to our website, clicking on the resources tab, and getting tested for STIs using our favorite service, stdcheck.com. The links there will save you $10, making a 10-panel test only $130, and it does help support the show financially. This is how Emma and I get tested. We love the service. We've used it for years, and we've gotten amazing feedback from everybody who has used it. So if you're looking for a better way, a different way to get tested, check it out. And then once you do get tested, go to our website and send us an email and let us know what you thought. That's part of the challenge. That is. And then our end of the bargain is if you do that and we can use your testimonial, or if you send us a voicemail, we will send you swag. Yes. We have condoms, we have lube, we have all sorts of custom stuff. We'll send it to you as a thank you for letting us know what you thought of stdcheck.com. Yes. So there you go. STDCheck stdcheck.com challenge fast. too fast <laughs> all right with that uh reach out to us let us know what you think all the ways to do that are on our website under the contact us tab and we're going to go talk to hilly and we will see everybody on the other side let's go Welcome, Hilly, to the show. We're excited to talk to you today and thank you for making the time tonight. Um, for I guess we don't know that much about you. We'd love for you to start by introducing yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you guys tonight and meet you in person. Um, I've been hearing your voices for several months, but I've not actually had to see your faces yet. So um, my name is Hilly. I am 35 years old and live in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm a 35-year-old um, polyamorous, um, submissive, bisexual age player slash little, and I'm active in the BDSM lifestyle and have had polyamorous types of relationships all across the spectrum. Um, I am also an advocate for age play and um, caregiver little dynamics. I actually have a YouTube channel that I'm only, it's only in the startup phases. Um, I don't remember exactly how many 
videos I have up yet, but that's still a project in the works. I also have published a, um, a short story sort of novella erotic story that has an age play theme to it. And I run a Facebook little caregiver littles group. And I also hosted, um, well, I helped co-present a class on age play, um, back during the pandemic during a virtual event. So I think that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's impressive. And we're, I want, we want to dig into all of it and, um, hear more about the age play. That's a first for the show. And we're excited to learn more about that and learn more about what that looks like for you. And before we do that though, like, would you be able to like share roughly like what, what does, non-monogamy look like for you today and then can you take us back to back to the beginning right well so non-monogamy for me today is is a little complicated um i've been in a relationship with my current partner for a little over two and a half years and all of that was local until just recently in october when he moved away for work um, and our relationship has been polyamorous the entire time. When I first got together with him, I had another person in my life and he had just started dating someone that other relationship I was in ended up not working out so well, but we continued our relationship and I've had one other partner while I've been with him, but he's pretty much been more of a self focused lately. And now that he is living, um, away, I'm back in the dating game trying to find something s- substantial here because I have a feeling that's going to help a hell of a lot in just, just dealing with the the day-to-day struggles of a long-distance relationship. Having somebody that's actually close by is going to help a lot. And he and his, his other partner and I have no interaction, and that is entirely by her choice. Um, but that is where I'm at right now. Now, if I were to rewind back to the beginning, that's a that's a, <laughs> it's, oh, a big, wow. it's a big rewind. <laughs> oh yeah. So I mean, I'm pretty sure a, a lot of us, uh, or I dare say, most of us in the non-monogamous community, at one time or another, were brand new and stumbled about and had no idea what the hell we were doing. Yeah. Um, I was definitely one of those people. The, the short version is, I don't think I was ever not polyamorous. Um, Aside from one boyfriend that I had in a high school for two months, my very first boyfriend, I've never had a, a traditionally po- a monogamous relationship after that boyfriend. You know, I, so I, when I first started really dating was um, in my first year of college and I lived in Florida, Southern Florida at the time. And I had, to, to, to paint you a picture, there's, um, there was a man and a woman who used to date each other. Then they broke up. And then I started dating the fella, the guy. And when they broke up, things were not really, that was not a good, it was not a good breakup. It was not like on decent terms. So I started dating the guy. Then he and I don't work out so well. So we break up and then she asks me out. So I started dating her and then he comes back and asks to reconcile. So we kind of just decided that they were going to both date me and hate each other and it was going to be fine. 
That um, seems easy. That <laughs> is obviously not not the best idea in the world, and obviously that didn't end up working out. Um, he and I split off, and I remained remained in a relationship with her uh, for about a year and a half. We had we tried out like being polyamorous, quote unquote, a couple more times with other gentlemen, but we just didn't what the hell we were doing. We didn't have any resources. We were kind of just winging it. We didn't even have any like real words for it. Um, we were just like, this is just, this is what we do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's super interesting, right? That like you, they broke up, you started dating one and then you started dating like, like the, just the idea that, yeah, just the idea that you would go like that, that would pop into your head is like, oh, well, I'll just date both of them. Like in not yeah. having that framework. And I, fu- I, I found it funny because I remember the conversation I had with her when he came to reconcile and I don't remember exactly how the conversation even really went, except that I think we were both just like, well, I don't know. I mean, he wants to date you and I don't want you to break up with me. Um, I hate his guts, but like, as long as you don't want to date, you know, dump me, then like, I don't care. It was, it was very unhealthy. Um, but. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Uh, yeah, right. right? I, you got to start yeah. somewhere. So that was, that was like mistake number one. Um, there will be many, but, um, (laughs) then, uh, so after that, um, shortly around the same time that she and I's relationship ended, I joined the local kink community down here in New Orleans. Um, cause I had traveled back to New Orleans. So this was right after Katrina, when I had split off with the other guy and stayed with her, um, we decided to move back down to New Orleans since Katrina had just hit. So now fast forward and I'm in New Orleans and newly single and I joined the kink community and I had a couple of, um, just occasional casual relationships with various folks. Like the first one that I tried after I joined the kink community was, um, a gentleman who had two other submissives and I was the third that didn't last very long. And then after that, I actually met a guy in college in my math class. So this this relationship started off monogamous. We started dating, and then we both discovered that you know that we had similar kinky interests. So we went and attended a uh, a TNG munch, which is um, you know a, a hangout kind of like a meet and greet for eighteen to thirty five year old gangsters. So we go to this munch, and we meet a girl. And we decided, let's take her home. Why not? She's adorable. Within an, So she, she started dating us pretty much right away. But then within a month, she got pregnant. Um, so that relationship fell apart. And I moved on and had a couple more relationships after that. Where I go from here is a little bit interesting because I had a couple of more casual dynamics. There was one about a year long relationship, but was super toxic because the woman who was the the significant other of the gentleman I was dating was not really into the poly. Like, I think she kind of tolerated it more for just to be with him, I guess. Was that the, the the woman who ended up pregnant? No, someone else. else. Yeah. This is after that. Okay. Um, Sorry. I missed that. No, it's okay. This was the next couple that I had gotten together with. Uh, but that entire relationship was incredibly toxic. There was a lot of animosity and and just jealousy and not not very healthy emotions going on in that relationship. 
And after that relationship, I met the person who would eventually become my husband and then my ex-husband. So I met a, another gentleman at another kink munch, and he was already in a poly-ish kind of relationship. He had a couple of girls who were dating him, and I started dating him. And then, you know, relationships progressed. A lot of there were some people who came into the to the relationship and people who left, and then new people came in. Through the course of that relationship, I think we had um, about four or five other females who were part of our relationship. And then I went through a divorce. And from there, I fast forward to here because in a weird way, I think that this is actually arguably the healthiest poly relationship I've ever been in, which is saying something considering there's, you know, there's some not healthy things about the relationship just in general, um, things that are still working on and, you know, struggles that I've been needing to overcome. But as far as communication and like just as a couple doing things in healthy ways and choosing healthy ways to communicate, it's been by far the healthiest poly relationship I have ever been in. So that's yeah. kind of where I am today. <laughs> that was quite the rundown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. And and we're happy to hear that you have maybe worked your way up to the healthiest and <laughs> learned along the way. And I think we'd love to hear some of like what you did learn along the way. I did have one question and I know Emma's got one. She's, she's chomping at the bit here, but <laughs> what was, what was the initial draw or pull for you to go and check out the kink scene when you got, I think, did you say that so, was in, in Florida still, or was that when you got back to New Orleans? Um, Yes. Um, Perfect. Um, so that's that's so I didn't get into the kink community or the BDSM community. I grew up a very strange child with very strange interests. And I grew up as the child who was envious of my friends who I I, I had a, a um grade school friend who told me that her older brother like went to this other school where they like spanked kids and stuff. And my, my little tiny brain was like, what, what, what is this? And had been like pretty, I don't know, I guess interested in it ever since in the same way that I had been poly pretty much my whole life. I've been essentially kind of kinky my whole life, just didn't have a word for it or a name for it. Um, and then of course the wonderful glorious internet was invented. And, um, then I was able to finally start, um, learning things. And my kink journey started on a website called Gaia online. Um, it was an online role-playing site that worked very similarly to like a message board sort of way. And it was an online role-playing. So I started role-playing and role-playing these roles, some of these kink roles that I had you know, in my head. And then somebody that I met on there mentioned a website called collarme.com. And another person mentioned Yahoo chat rooms way back in the day. And with collarme.com and Yahoo chat rooms, I kind of learned more and talked to more people. And then I met some, it was somebody I think on 
the message board um, who mentioned uh, local groups, local clubs. And that's how I got curious and looked up my own local club and found um, New Orleans local scene. And it was pretty much, it just kept going from there because then it was just all of a sudden I had this giant group of people that felt the exact same way I felt and had all the same weird, strange indulgences and likes and dislikes and such. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you for explaining that. And there'll be links to those sites in the show notes other than probably Yahoo chat rooms. Cause I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, anymore. I, I don't think they exist anymore. There'll be links to any of those that exist. Yeah. You Just, can, instead yeah, you can I, go download AOL me instant messenger. Well, I mean, color me sort of exists, but it's not called that anymore. It's called like color space, but I would stay away from that. If I were you I would stick with that life and some of the other healthy stuff. Colorme.com was basically just a cesspool. It was not a good. It was Let's not, not include links for yeah. that. <laughs> links, <laughs> links, links not in the show notes. <laughs> except, except for Fat Life. <laughs> except for Fat Life. Yeah, just just add Fat Life, and yeah, um, I can give you guys whatever else um, you'd like if I have any. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Perfect. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the kink scene, but I had a question first because as you're going through your story, something stuck out to me in the fact that you seem to have found yourself, I guess, in relationships with couples or couple dynamics quite frequently. Even when you said when you were with your uh, ex-husband, you know, you had other women join. And so like then it was more of a triad. And so how – do you find yourself more drawn to triads or is that just how things have kind of just developed over time? Honestly, I couldn't even really say for sure. I know that initially um, triad type dynamics and just like polycule dynamics have appealed to me. Um, and I do really, really like the idea of that sort of very family sort of feel to things. Um, you know, the, sisterly brotherly kind of family dynamic so i think i am still i think i am naturally drawn to those more so than like solo poly even though that's kind of where i'm at now <laughs> but i don't know I, I think i'm just i started out with those i don't know if, if if i was drawn to them or they just kind of naturally developed that way yeah yeah, because the, the the gentleman that I was with with the other girl I got that who got pregnant, um, that started out was just me and him, and then we took her home. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. One one quick question on that, just because I imagine there's other people that are going to send us hate mail if I don't ask this question. Was <laughs> was did the guy that you were with, and was he the father of the child, and like that's why the dynamic kind of broke up. Yes. Um, okay. You don't need to that, go into detail. I just wondered if that was what happened there. If if you want to go into yes. detail, feel free, but you don't need to. It's it's water under the bridge. That was back in 2008. <laughs> it's been a few um, years. Yeah, I've been around the block a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, that thank you for the clarification. <laughs> and so where along this journey did the age play start to like poke its head up and become something that you were interested in? Much like everything else, it kind of naturally developed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, I was about 20 years old when I first joined the kink scene and that originally started in Florida 
and then continued on in New, or- in New Orleans when I moved back home. But, you know, as I was young and immature and very, you know, just had a sort of bratty attitude. So it was already kind of the, 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 the youngin in the group. And as I think as the years went by, I sort of just discovered that that was really honestly just a part of my core personality that I liked to be the, the cute, bubbly, adorable one. And I never outgrew that whole love of being called adorable. Um, and I'm not even, I can't even really pinpoint exactly when I finally like discovered age play specifically. I think I must've just discovered it during my time going to the parties at the local dungeons and it must've just been mentioned somewhere along the way and it just stuck. Plus I've never grew out of my love of stuffed animals and thing, all things pink and sparkly and beautiful and Disney movies. And I just, it, it was natural. It was a natural next place to be for me. Sure. Yes. And, and what is it like on a like day-to-day basis? Like, what does it look like? Like, with your partner or in the, in the scene, like what does that physically look like for you? Well, um, my partner is my sir as well as my daddy. And he and I have, we developed this during the pandemic and then its progression was kind of natural once he moved away because it worked so well. We had started implement implementing um, what I like to call uh, thrice daily check-ins where he would check in on me three times a day and he would check on me and ask things about, you know, that you would like ask, ask your child about taking care of themselves. So, you know, have you eaten? Have you taken your meds? You know, how are you feeling? What's your mood? Um, For me, he asks also where my pain level is because of the um, multitude of pain conditions that I suffer from. And we have, um, a routine set out where he'll set tasks for me for the day and he'll set four tasks. If I get one of them done, I avoid punishment. If I get two of them done, I get praise. If I get three of them done, I get a gold star. And if I get four done, then I get some kind of special treat. We've talked about little small treats that he can give me as a, as extra rewards. Like, uh, we have, talked about him uh reading my little a bedtime story sometimes he'll buy me a small stuffy or something like that and it's been that's been a really great way for us to continue to connect since he has moved away because it's given me and us that extra um ability to connect even though we're not able to reach each other physically yeah and it's given my little a chance because my little has colored pictures for him and sent them in the mail via snail mail. Um, and he has put them on the refrigerator. So that's been the sort of just day to day sort of sweet, cute kind of dynamic that's sort of developed between each between us, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you've mentioned in there that you have a little as well. Can you explain what what that means and sorry to ask for like all of these it's just i think there's probably a lot of people listening who don't who maybe don't fully understand the dynamic including right. your hosts um, <laughs> sorry no you're good 
<laughs> so a little or an age player is um, what I refer to. My, well, what um, people in the age play and CGL community refer to as um, an age player, someone who reverts to a younger age. So CGL, by the way, is um, short for caregiver little dynamics. And a little is essentially someone who um, mentally reverts to a younger age or a younger mindset. Um, so there's there's littles and then there's middles and there's bigs. Littles um, tend to fall into the younger category. So let me actually start from like the from the ground up from like ages like zero to two. That's where you're going to have your ABDLs, your um, adult babies, uh, diaper lovers. And then ages between like three to around 10-ish are littles. And then middles are your teenage age group. So they revert to somewhere closer to, you know, between 11 and, and 17. And at the way that age play represents really is a, a personal. It it. it, it it's exhibited differently depending on the person, but essentially uh, what most littles will probably say they really enjoy most about being an age player, being a little is reverting to a place in their head where the stresses of the world do not exist because they go into what is referred to as little space. And when they revert to little space, their adult worries aren't part aren't in their mind. So they're all of the, the stresses of having to go to work and paying bills and dealing with household duties and whatever, none of that's in their present mind. And they can just go to a place that's simpler and more innocent and carefree and safe. So they can, you know, throw off their their work clothes and throw in a onesie and grab a stuffed animal and watch Disney movies and the world doesn't have to exist anymore for a little while. And then as far as like, there's, I've seen a lot of different personality dynamics. I've seen teenage littles who are uh, much brattier, although brats come in all shapes and sizes. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a place of, of freedom and safety and an escape from, external stressors yeah right so when when you refer to your little that's just the that's you when you go to that place that's what you're referencing yes my little side the little side of me actually even goes by a different name than myself um and my partner and i will will refer to each of like my, my grown-up self and my little side separately my little's name is Allie, and my partner will talk to me and then he'll actually address Allie and we go back and forth. It's, it's, it's very, it's very cute. And it's something that's definitely enhanced our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think just a thank you, a, a lot of gratitude for like sharing and explaining that. Like it's, it's really interesting and I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, through your background and everything you've mentioned now that you're in the healthiest relationship that you have been in and I would love if you could talk a little bit about the growth that you've seen in yourself over the last, I guess it's a long time, uh, 15 to 20 years or so in, in as you've 
um, gotten older and had all these experiences and how have you, how have you seen yourself grow and change? Um, I mean, for starters, I, one of the biggest things that I think I've learned just through the years is how to advocate for myself, um, which was something I was not very good at doing for the large majority of my young life. I had always been a, a big, a bit of a people pleaser and submissive as well. So I've always been take, I've always taken sort of the, the more submissive attitude in situations, which didn't leave me with a whole lot of tools on how to advocate for myself when I wasn't happy. And that's definitely something that I learned a lot about ever since um, my divorce, because I, in that relationship, I really truly lost my voice um, and lost myself. So when I was able, when I managed to get out of that relationship, I started on a journey of um, really, really turning inward and doing a lot of reflection of, of who I was and what I wanted out of my life. Then I met Art. Um, you know, I'm just going to go on from here on forward and just use his name because I'm proud of, I'm almost positive he doesn't have a problem with it. Actually, I'm very, yeah, I am positive. He's not going to mind. Um, but it's just easier than referring to him as my partner. That's fine. So um, I met Art on uh, OK Cupid about two and a half years ago. And during the course of my relationship with him, that's been honestly, I can, I can honestly say has been some of the most real genuine growth that I've, that I've gone through because up until my relationship with him, I hadn't realized how much I was settling just as far as on what I considered to be like basic relationship standards. And the we had this funny moment that kept happening when we first got together. Like we'd have a sit down conversation after what I was, would consider to be some kind of conflict that would occur. And after we were done talking, I would, you know, I would thank him and thank him for being so patient and for, for giving me the time to, for us to get through this. And he kept saying, babe, you've got to stop thanking me for giving you the bare minimum a relationship should be giving you. And that blew my mind wide open. And he kept, and he kept saying that phrase several more times. He's just like, you're just, you're thanking me for giving you the bare minimum. And it was kind of a turning point, I think for me, because then I suddenly realized that I had been settling so much in relationships and that I didn't have to settle anymore. And that was, that was an eye opener. So now when he and I, you know, when he and I've had conflicts, we actually take time. So, I mean, I've learned a couple of big key points as far as myself and just in general, conflict resolution i've learned the power of stepping away and allowing some cool down time i tend to be someone who's a little bit more anxiously attached while he's a little bit more avoidant which we've laughed about because i'll listen to podcasts and then i'll hear a really great one and I'll send it to him in a link and be like, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. Another great one. I've sent him links to a couple of you guys' podcasts. I've also sent him some links to a couple of other ones. 
I don't know if name dropping is appropriate here. So yeah, go for go it. For it. Um, well, I, I've sent him a, a bunch from the, the multi-amory podcast because mm-hmm. we have an ongoing joke that um, the podcasts are all secretly spying on me because every time we have a discussion or a conflict or like anything, the next day that podcast drops an episode on that very topic. This <laughs> this happened today. We were talking yesterday about the topic of resentment and that I had been struggling with feelings of resentment towards his other partner due to her not wanting to have anything to do with me. And then today, multi-emory podcast drops resentment episode. And I'm like, so we have it. We have an ongoing joke now where I send him a message and I'm like, on today's episode of which podcast is spying on me (laughs) (laughs) and send him links and he laughs. He thinks it's great, but we, we'll share I'll share these podcasts with him and he'll listen to them and then he'll come back and be like wow a lot of what that stuff like he would talk about like that was really really insightful it sort of helped both of us grow and especially since like I said since he's moved away so now he'll listen to the podcasts on his drives you know to and from work and then tell me about it when he gets home yeah and and both of us have learned things from it and it's really helped us give perspective. But then the other things that I've that I've learned from just having a healthy conflict, which is basically the best way I can put it, is having healthy conflicts with him and learning that after a time, a portion of time spent away, that we would come back and it's possible to have a safe conversation, like just a sit-down conversation with this person. And it doesn't have to be terrifying and there has, there's enough to be any yelling or sniping or, you know, being petty. He, he taught me how to, how it felt to have my voice and to be given that space and to be heard. And, you know, he goes out of his way to make sure that I feel heard. And he's taught me times when either of us haven't been as great about listening as we should. So yeah, it's just, it's really blown. It's blown my mind, honestly. Yeah. And I think too, like the, I can see where there would be, uh, I don't know if opportunity is the right word, but there would be opportunity for potentially a person who's taken the dominant role or the big, to take advantage of the fact that they have somebody who is submissive to them and that is is playing down to a different age where you can sort of be like, no, you do this because I say so. Like you like you almost uh you almost become like I can see there being an opportunity to take advantage of that submissive oh, oh, yeah. and dominant role. Yeah, totally. and that being where you lose your voice because you're like, yes. oh well, I'm I'm submissive. It's supposed to be like this. That's exactly how I ended up with the monster that was my ex husband, because unfortunately, a lot of predators do prey on um, submissives and littles, and it's a dangerous place. It's part of why it kind of devoted myself to becoming a bit of an advocate for age players and healthy age play because it is such a vulnerable side of the kink community. And 
you know, being submissive in general. There's, there's so there are predators out there and way too many opportunities that people can use. And when I, when I was with my ex-husband, that's almost exactly the mindset I ended up in was, oh, I'm submissive. So I'm supposed to just take this. And Mm -hmm. I was also still pretty new to the lifestyle when I got with him, despite the fact that I'd actually kind of been around the block a time or two, but the time I got with him, I was still arguably pretty naive and innocent and inexperienced. So I ended up under his clutches and he, it was easy for him to convince me of things that weren't accurate in the lifestyle and to, to convince me that there were things expected of me that shouldn't be expected that are never expected without consent. Sure. Um, I didn't even realize I didn't quite understand exactly what consent meant until I left him. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle and a, a lifestyle choice that is rife with opportunities for abuse and neglect and so many other things that, I I want to to help support age players, but I also want to help support bigs because if you're it, it's, there are people who are getting abused on both sides of the spectrum. As with anything, it's not it's not on one side. Mm-hmm. It, it's not all one sided. There you know are submissives who have abused dominance and manipulated dominance. There have been abusive littles. It's all over the place. But the, the, the dream I kind of have is the more community that we continue to create, the more that we bring people together and give people spaces to start to talk, to ask questions, to share themselves and to, express who they are and their whole self the more i feel like we build a giant we, we, we build a giant community of supporters we essentially we build an army to to stand around any person who happens to be in a vulnerable place and i feel like it helps i think it's going to help us as a community lift each other up. That's why I have the my CGL um, Age Play Facebook group because I want to end the stigma on both sides. One thing that people have not understood is that responsible, healthy bigs ha- get victimized by judging outsiders, even inside our kink lifestyle. They're marginalized even inside the BDSM spectrum because there are people who do not understand age play who will accuse a big or accuse a, a caregiver of being a pedophile or promoting pedophilia. There have been littles who are be, have been accused of being pedophile sympathizers and that, that we're essentially creating content to breed pedophiles. It's, 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 it's rife with a lot of toxicity and that's something that I want to do whatever I can do to to help end to help change to help end the stigma essentially the podcast that i'm about to start uh, is going to be a bdsm podcast but we're going to have a bit of a 
okay, so it's going to be a, a BDSM podcast with a focus towards more niche kinks like age play and others to to offer again more education, more space and more opportunities for understanding in that category. I I guess I've just sort of accidentally fallen into the role of my mission is to create an army of littles that support each other. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's super important, right? Like you said, the community. Right. Like being able to reach out to somebody who's also gone through this and to say, like, is what's happening, like, okay? And exactly. to, to, and to be I, able to hear, like, no, it's not. Like, I went through that. It's not okay. We've had, we've ha- I've had, I've seen that a lot already in um, my age play group on Facebook where someone will be experiencing something. And so they'll, they'll talk about it. Um, they'll post about it in the group and ask, you know, is this, is this right? Is this okay? And while, I mean, that kind that can sometimes like open up a whole bunch of people just like jumping down the throats and going, no, that's terrible. And he should not do that. And how dare they, we have moderators to help with that because that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for an army of littles to jump down the throat of whatever caregiver that little has we're looking to start dialogue so if if it starts i mean if it's if if when the conversation happens it seems safe and and legitimate um well for the most part leave it alone but if it starts to seem like like people who are posting are just ganging up on this unknown caregiver without really giving it much thought we tend to jump and nip that on the butt i have seven moderators i believe um, and bless their hearts because they have been keeping that group op- alive for me as my conditions have worsened, making it a lot harder to continue to do maintenance on the group because I kind of stretched myself a little bit thin. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to do that, don't we? Yeah. Like most people do, I feel like. <laughs> it's easy. I mean, Facebook group, YouTube channel, I'm starting a podcast, I wrote a book. I tried doing a boot blacking side business for a little while, but that didn't really take any air. Um, sorry, that's and these are totally all like hobbies, right? These are these are all on the side. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really getting paid for any of them. I even had exactly. Only, I had an OnlyFans for a little. I still have an OnlyFans, but I like. Oh, I throw up. I throw like a picture up on there like once every couple of months at this point. I don't really even use it anymore. <laughs> it's just a lot. And at yeah. one point, it was. It took my therapist. Um while we were talking at once at a session and I was being particularly hard on myself and I was, I was venting about how I hadn't made a video in so long and I was really mad at myself and she was like, Haley, and just started listing off all of the projects that I've been doing and going, when are you going to give yourself a break? There's only so much Haley to go around. And I was like, okay, called out. Thanks. (laughs) Sometimes we need that perspective. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's 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 great. I I love my therapist because she I learned that this therapist was definitely for me the first time I accidentally let a curse like slip out and I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry and she goes, Oh shit. Shut up. I don't got a problem with that. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> we're gonna get along great. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um I guess on, on that note, uh, you you shared um, that you 
I guess it sounds like you have a wonderful therapist that's, a, mm-hmm. you know, your proponent for therapy, which we are too. It's a, yeah, it's really important. I honestly personally believe every single, I don't think there is a person out there who couldn't benefit from therapy. And that is something that my, my, my sir and I share a belief in everyone needs therapy. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yes. Well, because I think, you know, our, our mental health in, in society is often neglected and it just, it, you, you know, it's not as oftentimes not as prioritized as physical health. Well, um, and unfortunately in this particular like current economy, it's sort of a luxury. Yeah. yeah. It sucks, but it is. It is. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not always affordable or even close to affordable for, for many people. So yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really hard thing. So mm-hmm. it, but powerful if you can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I just wanted to, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, you know, you had mentioned to us previously that you, um, you navigate neurodivergence and other, uh, I guess, um, and other um, other struggles, story. yes, other, yeah. and other struggles that I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about, if you'd like, and how that how those impact your relationships. Um. Yeah. So, for starters, um, I am neurodivergent. I have ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, and suffer from um, trauma from various emotional abuses throughout the course of my life. Um, and on top of that, I've also lived with chronic pain. Um, it would probably take too long to list, uh, all of them. <laughs> There's a lot, but the ones that affect me primarily are fibromyalgia, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, or EDS for short, as well as ulnar neuropathy in both of my upper extremities and um, various joint issues that are associated with the EDS and the fibromyalgia, but are also further complicated um, by slowly advancing scoliosis. And yeah, like I said, there's a lot more. Um, I'm on. I'm on. I am on so many medications that I need an entire pill bottle organizer thing um that my boyfriend made a a joke he said when he first saw me with the pill organizer he thought that like pill organizers were sort of like well i can't even remember the word he used i think he just said that they were like bougie or something i don't i don't even remember what he said but then he was like (laughs) but then he was like but then i looked at it and saw exactly how many pills you take and i was like okay yeah never mind she needs one (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they're very Um, practical and necessary (laughs) yeah um but um you know neurodivergence started much younger um i was diagnosed with adhd when i was i think i was like seven and that's been a struggle throughout my life and added to anxiety and depression and then PTSD it definitely caused a lot of social issues um, and social awkwardness. And it took me years and years and years to really figure out how to just relate to people and how to behave um, socially 
Uh, I was never diagnosed with Asperger's, but it was it was suspected that I might because I was just a little different. Mm-hmm. And that kind of caused me to be out a little bit of an outcast. And I, I think I've only really started to come into my own since my divorce. Um, again, that was really the turning point for me because before that I really felt like I just, I did, I just always felt socially awkward. And then I, I was empowered by my divorce and the sort of act of freeing myself from that, that bind. And then I went to a kink convention in 2019 before, you know, everything happened. Mm -hmm. And that was when I really, really finally started to find myself when I realized that I, I had rediscovered that outgoing bubbly person that just loves people and wants to be everybody's best friend. And that really just, I helped to rebuild my confidence and I've just kind of been growing with that since then. And then the pain conditions, honestly, they started very gradually. Um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia back in 2014, I think. Um, but then it wasn't until 2018 that I started to really notice a lot more issues starting to crop up and they just got worse and worse and then much worse once the pandemic hit. And that's been a struggle. It's been a battle, but it's been something that has also given my relationship with art a chance to grow because in the beginning of our relationship, I remember we were at um, a kink party during one of our dates and I'm sitting at a table with him and he's, and he says to me in the future, when I ask how you're doing, I don't want you, I don't want you to tell me you're fine. I don't want you to give me this, you know, bland answer. I'm okay. Or I'm not feeling great. I want you to tell me exactly how you're feeling. So, and I was like, you, do you know what you're asking right now? Because that's, that's a lot. You, you want the nitty gritty. You want me to tell you that like, it feels like there are needles jabbing me in my arms and that like, I feel like my back has been snapped into like, I went into more details than that, but he was like, yes, that is what I want. I want you to tell me how you were doing exactly how you were doing. And that was the turning point for me, for our relationship. When he opened up, a, a, he opened up the, the, the doors for a chance to, to trust him, to want that. So now, even though he's far away, he'll check in and ask how I'm doing. And I can tell him I'm not doing great or I'm doing okay, but you know, I'll, I'll tell him when it's a high pain day or when it's not a high pain day, um, or where, um, my emotions are afraid or, um, something's going on. Plus, um, one of the things that we developed as a part of our long distance relationship is, uh, I write to him. Well, we write to each other snail mail style. And those are really fun. Those are, those are fun opportunities for me to share with him how things are going in the day yeah yeah well thank you for sharing that and for the vulnerability like i know some of that's definitely hard to talk about and so we really appreciate your openness and honesty with that and i think 
like to to maybe kind of like put a a bow on it for us to like we've talked about like some struggles you've had some challenges you've overcome both physically and just in your journey like what are some of like i mean you obviously do this for a reason right so like what what are some of like the things that you take away from this that just fill you up and make it something that the beautiful the, yeah the the beautiful <laughs> part about doing this for you like what is what is it for you that like you've taken away over the years that really that really fills you up it's really those little moments um when art and i share a laugh about something um when he teases me and even from all the way across the continent, he knows that I'm making this little scrunched up face that I give him whenever he's picking on me. It's, it's the little opportunities to really bond with people and get close to people on a level that I don't think I otherwise would have gotten. And it's, it's given me a chance to meet some incredible people and get to know littles and bigs and get to know people from all different walks of life who all came to these various lifestyles in their own unique ways. And, and just having people that have come into my life that have enriched my life. Um, there's my extended family, which I refer to as my pack and they're an extended group of, beloved, beloved, um, people who are just good hearted, emotionally wonderful human beings who I couldn't be prouder to call family if I actually shared their blood. It's been, it's been the, 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 the connections and the close relationships and the bonds and the friendships and the community camaraderie and the, the feeling of togetherness and, going from being an awkward, socially awkward kid who didn't really know how to make friends or interact to feeling like I found my family in kink and I found my family in the polyamorous communities and all of that combined, which surprisingly kink and BDSM tend to, well, BDSM and polyamory tend to merge with each other a lot. <laughs> um, and it's it's just fun. It's, it's it's fun meeting people and making connections and creating so many different bonds with so many different people that are mm -hmm. not a single one is unique. I'm sorry, each one is unique, <laughs> right? We know it's what all you the same. Everybody is exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> None of us are unique. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, every even even just the members of my pack are you know all love each other and are such unique people and not a single one of them really has all that in common as far as their background or where they came from or what brought them into the kink world but we've all become a family and i consider the what i refer to as my home dungeon which is the the dungeon that i frequent most often um, is actually the dungeon in Baton Rouge, which I refer to as home. It's when I finally went back to the dungeon after my divorce, I remember the very first party I went to 
And I remember stepping through the doors and I hadn't been there in like eight years, eight, eight or nine years or something. And I stepped through that door, those doors and immediately felt like I was home. It was, it's been a real family and a real special place to have a lot of special connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that feeling probably tells you you're in the right place. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. I've never felt more myself than when I'm around my kink folk. I've, I've never felt more like I can be myself. It's, it's around my kink folk. Like it's, I, when I went to the convention in 2019, I spent the majority of that time wearing kitten ears and running around in PJs with a stuffy and everybody knew the stuffy's name by the end of the key convention, because um, at the very beginning of it, he got a hole where his, it was this little, so for those of you who can't see off the camera, but he's a brown teddy bear. And I was on the plane and I noticed that his tail was gone and there was a hole in its place. And there was an app that we used to connect with one another. Um, those of us who were going to the King Convention, there was an app we were able to connect with each other on before we got to the convention. So I pictured, I posted a picture of his butt with the hole, and was like, "Does anybody have a some sewing needle uh, and some thread? I need help. Mister Hugglesworth's butt is in need of help." <laughs> so I get to the convention and they they see me with this little brown bear like oh you're the girl with the bear with the butt <laughs> yeah that that was me um, and it instantly made me feel comfortable and I was like I can run around in PJs with the stuffy with these people and they just think I'm adorable I lost count of how many times I was called adorable that weekend and it was just like this is where you can be completely and totally yourself Utterly yeah. and completely and unapologetically yourself, and they adore you. Yeah, and that yeah. that was the turning point for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is, I think, a wonderful place to wrap up. I know we could talk to you for hours. Um, I'm gonna ruin your. I'm gonna ruin your wrap up here. I'm sorry. Go for it. I just have one question. I'm sorry. I'm. 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 I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of something that I was supposed to ask earlier and I missed it and I apologize. I apologize, Emma. That's okay. Go for it. <laughs> the, you, you talked about, um, you didn't use the word red flags, but the, the dynamic of littles and bigs and sort of the prey and being victimized. What are, like having gone through that yourself, and I know we're kind of like going back to a hard topic and I apologize, but having gone through that yourself, can you share just a couple like high level, like red flags or things that you like that you look for now when you're out on okay Cupid or FetLife to like, say like, nope, not even going to respond to this, not even going to click on this person's profile. Because I imagine there's like, I would say the ultimate resource is like find yourself into the Facebook group and the different support groups. But for somebody who's like, struggling and in need that that maybe you could throw one or two things out there that like, Hey, here's, here's some stuff to look for just high level. That would be right. really helpful. Um, and absolutely. So some of these might be up, I mean, some of these might be personal, so they'll, they might be, you know, slightly biased. Um, but for me as a little, some red flags that I 
have that I, that that instantly set off my like predator alert predator alert are people who start conversations with me calling me pet names if they start off conversations you know on fet life or on whatever and started off by like calling me little one or mm-hmm. baby girl or pet names like that like right off the bat instant creep vibe well, and, and also sort of a consent violation, right? Like to assume yeah. that they can call you something that, that you've not agreed to with, yeah. with yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially because those pet names are pretty sacred. Mm-hmm. And I mean, vulnerable. One, yeah. Um, and well, but also some of them are only things daddy gets to call me. So right. <laughs> um, other red flags I would say would be... Let me see. I mean, it's tough when it comes to specifically caregiver little styles. Anything that feels a little too rushed, anything that feels too much like they want to go to the next level too quickly, like they want to go from chatting on OkCupid to meeting in person too fast, or they want your cell phone number too fast, or and when if you, they when- instantly, if they instantly want. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, when you say too fast, like it's almost like in, if you're not comfortable giving that information or meeting something, that's the signal of like, that's too fast. Yeah. That yeah, feels it, like too it could whatever, be three months. Whatever, whatever feels too <laughs> yeah. fast for you. And it might yeah. not yeah. even necessarily be that that person is a predator, but if it's too fast for you and you express that and they dismiss that feeling or try yeah. to convince you, try to coerce you into setting aside your your concerns then um i would steer clear um i would also steer clear of anyone who jumps straight into sexual territory especially with littles although there are littles out there i happen to be one of them that delve into what is other writers refer to as dark age play um involving um age players that delve into sexual behavior Regardless of the case, it's never appropriate to start out that way, especially because for a lot of littles, they're completely non-sexual and that's a safe space that is outside of the sexual realm for them. And you could be setting off serious triggers. Um, So anyone who's like, oh, baby, I bet you look so cute. Your onesie sucking your, you know, yeah, don't. Steer clear. Keep going. And anyone who doesn't encourage you to do your own research, who wants to say, oh, well, I've been around longer than such and such years. And uh, you don't need to read all those books. I can tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Anyone who who discourages you educating yourself, who discourages your mental health and Mm self-care and who doesn't at least seem to show an interest in your safety and comfort. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I think just one thing that you said that uh, I wanted to maybe highlight was when somebody says something or does something that's too rushed, like that is sort of a, a, for me, that's sort of like a, Hey, the radar is going off, but that's not necessarily a disqualification, right? If you're like, Hey, you know, I understand you want to jump to getting my phone number, but like that doesn't make me comfortable right now. And if they're like, hey, totally cool, and they back off, that's a totally different thing than like, oh, whoa, oh, yeah. what, you don't want, you don't trust me? Like, and they start to push and push exactly. and push. Exactly. And that's, that's, the, that's, that's the big difference. It's yeah. not if you say, well, I know you want to go on a date, but I'm really not ready to meet you in person yet. I just want to, 
get to know you a little bit more online before I jump that far. If they if they back off, then that's that's the positive of a red flag. That's a green flag right there. Yep. Um, that's a good sign. Anytime that they respond your to boundaries. your yeah. boundaries by respecting them. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that, thank you. That was a good question to interrupt me, or not to interrupt me, but to end on instead of uh, no, I me know. Well, up. you were you were it was perfect. I just we actually so to so we actually got an email a couple of weeks ago that said like, hey, somebody mentioned red flags, and you didn't ask what any of the red flags were, and so I was listening, and I was like, we need to ask what those red flags are. So yes. we listen to your feedback. Send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wrap it up, Emma. I'll stop talking. Well, I just wanted to say thank you for all of the vulnerable conversation and just for being for so open with us. Uh, it's really appreciated. And I wanted to give you the opportunity as well to talk about anything else that you would want to get out there. Well, to um, all of the New Orleans folk out there, you should totally come to this meet and greet happening in a month because I'm excited about it. And actually, a lot of my kink friends as well as just kink adjacent um friends are uh, actually the ones that i know are helping organize it because i got an invite (laughs) um but um and yes to echo that (laughs) and and, and to be clear it may have already happened by the time this airs it may have but it was awesome we're assuming <laughs> and, and we're so glad you made it <laughs> and we'll have another well, one someday we're like talking to the future right <laughs> yep. and the past um, at the same time <laughs> um but no i think the only thing left that i would want to share is that i would encourage anyone who is curious and wants to explore not to be afraid to do so and um i'll give you guys um to put in your show notes, the links to, um, you know, to my YouTube channel and, um, Facebook group, fair warning, the Facebook group is not public, it's private. So you have to go through the intro questions, um, Q and a, and our mods, my, my moderators and I will go through those. So if you try to send us a, an invite to the group and the questions aren't answered, you get auto rejected. So maybe answer the questions. But, well, but that's that's part of keeping it a safe community. So I think that's yeah, spot on. That's 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 how we have weeded out the majority of the creepers. And so far, we've only had one creeper in the group. And the I think the group is like almost two years old at this point. Wow. But yeah, don't be afraid to, to do your research and start exploring because um, there's a lot out there. And don't miss out. <laughs> yeah. Live your life. Love it. Love Love it. it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And links, as we said multiple times, will be in the show notes, except for the things that don't no longer exist or we should not be promoting. (laughs) Then they will not be in the show notes, but everything else will be. And thank you again, Hilly. It was just an amazing conversation with you. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful night and we'll see you in a month slash saw you a month ago. So, <laughs> Whenever enjoy, this airs. Enjoy, it's, enjoy it's your future evening. future splash pass. Thank you, right. you guys do. <laughs> and we're back. We are back. You're going to say something. I did all my squats during that episode. <laughs> 
it was long enough to do 100 squats. Yeah. Thank you, Hilly, for coming on our show and for all of the amazing conversation and for meeting us, coming out to the meet and greet and meeting us in person a few weeks ago as well. We're so grateful and thank you. Yes. Thank you for me as well. We're excited to get the story out there and we had a blast talking to you. Just a quick reminder to go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Over there, you will find information on joining our Patreon community, information on the virtual meet and greets, our upcoming trivia night, as well as in-person events and information on our favorite resources, including stdcheck.com. Man, that's a pretty cool website, Emma. (laughs) There's so much information. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you for checking out our website and all the events. We hope to see you at some of them. We've got another interview next week. Next week, we have Kate and Liam. They're uh, the hosts of the Monogamish Marriage Podcast, and they came on our show back in in the the beginning. beginning. Way back. The Way Back Machine. I'm trying to figure out what episode. Episode... 200. Nope. I made that part up. (laughs) Chop off a zero. Episode 20. (laughs) Episode 20. I was like, way back is not 200. We're in the 200s right now. And if you're going to want to go back and listen to that, which I think you probably should, you don't have to. You will notice that the name on that episode is Kate and Mike instead of Kate and Liam. Uh, Liam will talk about why the name change happened in our episode. It's actually not, it's not that exciting of a story, but just be aware (laughs) that when you go back to find episode 200, Ah, no! <laughs> episode 20. I was sitting here thinking, don't say 200. And that's what I said. When you go back to find episode 20, you will see a different name on it. Highly recommend the listening and highly recommend checking out their podcast and their blog until you get to listen to them on our episode next week. And we will see you next week with that episode, right? Not with episode 20, <laughs> with episode 226. Yes. Now now you've officially confused everyone. And now, well, there's nobody listening at this point. (laughs) (laughs) This one's just for us, Emma. (laughs) Okay. Are we done? We are. We've been done for a while. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.